I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Well, hello everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the Disney-themed podcast for the Front Row Network. We are excited to get you ready for the Oscars in the best way we know possible to talk about the big moments Walt Disney had or the Walt Disney Company has had on the lead up to the Oscars here. So uh, I am Craig. I will be your host for this episode. I'm joined by my co-hosts. First, Mr. Sir Squire at oh. Rutherford. Why, hello there. <laughs> Sir Squire. Okay. Well, we'll just go He's with it. Thank Squire you. Squire now. I love That's it. That's right. That's right. You always get a new title. I, I also knighted you. <laughs> well, I've been watching The Crown recently, and this season is a lot of the queen not doing anything uh, except for sitting around and then other people critiquing her for just sitting around. So, um, so I feel like okay. you could have been knighted in that time. Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the wonderful, the marvelous Vanessa Ferguson. Hey. Hey. It's that's been my, like a month since we've done one of these. Marvelous. Uh, hello. It's just hey. 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 Uh, <laughs> we can keep this going with other streaming services. Uh, marvelous Miss Maisel. You know, you're like the comedian of us. Right. Well, I was thinking that when you said that, but I, I didn't want to you know, presume that that's, that's how you saw me. But, you know, that's yeah. It's like, uh, it's, you know, it, it's like you bring the funny, uh, what? And Thank Brett, you. Brett brings the, Brett brings the, the passion yeah. and the spirit. I, oh, that too. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what I bring, but you know what I do know? I so do know much. other good people about film. And one of those, uh, our film historian, as it were on the front row network, we're joined again by Brandon Davis, the host of classics and, um, just a chipper, jolly man himself. Brandon, how are you? Yeah, hello, hello. We're, I'm in the midst of this Oscar marathon here. So we're... No kidding. How many Best Picture nominees have you seen so far? I still need to see Little Women, and I still need to see... I'm going to sit down tonight and watch Parasite. So I've seen seven of the nine. I finished Parasite this weekend. Yeah. Holy it's moly. Good. It's good? Holy moly. Uh, okay. You know, it's one of those things. I, um, I, I think it's just a stacked year and we can talk about that and we, yeah. I'm sure we will talk about that, but, uh, just really remarkable films coming out this year. You know, 1917, I, I saw that and I go, Oh, that has to win best, best picture. There's no doubt about it. And then I saw Parasite and I went, Oh, maybe that doesn't have to win best yeah. picture, but. But, you know, that's for another episode, another time. <laughs> uh, we at the network will be breaking down all the major categories in the lead up to the Oscars. So make sure you follow the Front Row Network feed uh, to get all of that. But what we are here today to talk about is really the big moments of Disney at the Oscars. And so this is either Walt himself or it's the Walt Disney Studio and big moments that they had. Uh, D23 actually produced a list for us of the top five. And what we're going to do go through those five that they say are the five biggest moments in Disney history with the Oscars. And then we'll open up to our panel to say, did they get it right? Did, are there some that they're missing that you'd like to uh, also include on this list as well? But let's start off with number five. Number five, they have listed as a lifetime of magic. And they say on February 26, 1942, Walt Disney was honored with the Thalberg Memorial Award at the Academy Awards. And this is given out as essentially a lifetime achievement type of award. It was given out the year that Fantasia came out. So uh, in that time, we had had uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which of course we'll talk about later. And then we had uh, Bambi and Pinocchio, 
and then also Fantasia. So these are all films that came out and they have awarded Walt with a Lifetime Achievement Award, really at kind of the start of his movie um, adventure here, 1942. So Brandon, we'll go to you first. How do you feel about uh, Walt getting a Lifetime Achievement really at kind of such a young age? Yeah, fairly, fairly early. Um, I mean, he had had, you know, well, he'd been working for over a decade, but still a decade doesn't constitute a lifetime. Um, and, uh, but I think about all the achievements he had still not conquered yet. He still hadn't gone into live action yet. He still hadn't done some of his biggest animated features yet. Um, but I mean, so really, I feel like it's more of a, it's more of an award to sort of say, Hey, you've changed the medium here more than a lifetime achievement award. But, um, I, you know, I, I guess, I guess they've given out the Thalberg award to producers who are still kind of in the prime of their careers. So it's not unusual, but still a little, little preemptive in my mind. But I mean, if, I'm glad they gave it to him while he was still living because not everybody gets that though. Yeah, that is very true. It does say here a little bit later down the article that, um, he was awarded 17. So he won total 31 total Academy awards. He was mm-hmm. awarded one posthumously. Um, but he had received 17 of those awards after he received the Lifetime yeah. Achievement Award. Um, but, you know, I think this is a good moment as well just to talk about – it's a good entry point to talk about the way that Disney himself really helped shape the movies and what we see as the movies now. Brett, uh, any comments on just the broad scope of what Walt was able to do for the movies? Well, um, well uh Hmm. I think that, you know, in a way with this lifetime achievement award so early on, it was a way to acknowledge, as we've said, the contribution that was made. Um, I think that it seems, you know, looking at the movies prior to him winning the award and then afterwards, it's kind of like the industry industry really didn't consider animation really in with any of the other films. And this was a way to acknowledge that um, even, and, and you just kind of go, well, why, what were they thinking? <laughs> like going, but yeah, there were lots of, there were lots of amazing movies, you know, in the 1934s and 1940s and all of that sort of stuff. But it's kind of, it kind of makes Walt Disney kind of this also ran um, as to, well, you know, here's this award because you do really good, work but it's not really you know it isn't validated by an oscar or by a best picture nomination and that didn't happen for the longest time so um yeah we're, i think it's we're just definitely gonna i talk think about it's, that later with uh with snow light for sure i think it's just a recognition for the amount of work that was done with uh but by that time snow white um pinocchio and uh dumbo sorry uh and uh uh Fantasia. So, cause they're all groundbreaking. And I think that in a way it's, it's even more of an honor than maybe a best picture Oscar. But, um, I don't know if we, we, I think we'll get to it a little bit later, but I'll save my comments for Snow White when we get to Snow White. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so. sure. Vanessa, talk to me about, uh, Walt's impact on the movies and, uh, this lifetime achievement award seemingly uh, towards the beginning, really, of his career. Yeah. Uh, Mickey had been around since the late 20s, but this is still pretty early. Right. Well, I almost wondered, too, when I was watching um, some of his acceptance speeches and those early Oscar years, 
you know, what the Oscars thought they were going to be as well. Um, it, it does seem a little premature to be giving a lifetime, you know, achievement award, but maybe, you know, the Oscars were kind of like, well, 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 what, what next? You know, uh, maybe they even thought that it, you know, wouldn't, the Oscars wouldn't be what it is today. Um, I was watching some of, and what made me think that was, I was watching some of the acceptance speeches, especially Walt. He is very brief. It was just kind of like, thanks to everybody who helped me make it. Peace. See ya. You know, and it's nothing like the, the long monologues that we see nowadays at the Oscars where you actually get cut off uh, with the music. Um, they were all very short and sweet. And I, I have to wonder like what's going through Walt's mind as he, is he thinking this is just another award? I mean, it was. I mean, he, his first award uh, that he received was um, at the fifth Academy Awards. So maybe it was just, oh, this is something new. We'll have to see if it takes off. Um, kind of a situation, but it, it is interesting. Yeah, I was expecting him to have these like really profound speeches, uh, like when he, you know, like when he said, "Oh, it was only started by a mouse." But if you look at the Oscars uh, acceptance speeches, that they're not. They're not profound. They're just a quick thank you to everybody who helped, and and then he's out. So, oh, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and that's kind of how they were, though, Brandon. Right? Uh, talk to me about when did they really become like you know a lot of people uh, take them from a list of thank yous all the way to a very political speech. But when did that Oscar acceptance speech sort of become that? Somewhere around the uh, probably. Early 60s, I would say, it became a little more off-the-cuff speeches. There's this big myth. uh, Some people believe it, some people don't, that for the first couple of decades of the Oscars, the winners knew in advance that they were going to win that night so that they could prepare speeches. So that's why when they get up there, they seem very very pre-written and very well put together and all of that. Um, I I, I think that... um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting because every once in a while when you see old newsreel footage of those old ceremonies, every once in a while someone will sneak in something pretty emotional. But most of the time they were pretty just say what you have to say and get off because they were I, – I don't think they wanted a long evening in those days. So. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. So uh, now we're going to move on down the list to number four. And I will say this is the one that is a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Uh, sorry, D23, but this is what they have as uh, they listed it as sooner or later it was bound to happen. The words Madonna and Disney wouldn't necessarily go hand in hand, but leave it to Warren Beatty to cast the pop superstar as Breathless Mahoney in the 1990 adaptation of Dick Tracy. And in that process, she sang a song written by Stephen Sondheim that would go on to win an Academy Award. Uh, so I guess what they're saying here is that because Madonna was maybe one of the most controversial pop stars uh ever, but also definitely in that time, the eighties and nineties that, uh, they just wouldn't have put the pair together. I don't know if I would say that this is one of the biggest moments in Disney history, but, um, Brett, we'll go ahead and start with you here. Thoughts on Madonna and Disney. Uh, well, uh, that's quite a package there. Um, uh, well, I mean, you know, it was, it was a Disney produced film and, and she sang, uh, you know, her, the song sooner or later was nominated. So naturally, uh, you know, she certainly has the right, you know, to sing that song and it was really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's kind of, uh, 
a surprise, and it is more of a surprise that D23 actually had that as uh, as one of their top five moments, unless they were just trying to stay quasi relevant or you know list a name of someone who uh, we you know the audience uh, was familiar with. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. A little a little I, odd choice on the D23 part, but it's part of Disney history. So hey, why not? I completely agree. I you know it's it's an odd. Uh, definitely, like you said, part of history, and it is interesting and good for her. She actually sang it at the awards uh, so many times now. It seems like uh, people that are actually in the film will pass it off to a person or another. That's been happening more and more frequently, it seems like. Um, but it, it does seem like an odd choice to put this in the list of top Oscar moments. And maybe that's be, we will likely get to some more, uh, maybe that we could replace this with at some point. But Brandon, thoughts on Madonna and Disney? I, yeah, I love Dick Tracy. Um, I'm waiting for it to come to Disney plus. Um, but I, I, I think it's, I would consider it more on the top list of Madonna moments on the top list of Oscar moments more than I would on a list of Disney moments. I think Disney kind of is a, third place when you're trying to define what Oscar moment that is. But, um, but, but yeah, it's considered one of the best live performances in Oscar history. Um, I just think being a, you know, it is Disney produced certainly being touchstone, but still, I, I think it's stretching it a little bit to put that in the top five. I no argument for me, Vanessa, (laughs) wrap us up on Madonna. I I just want to say, Brandon, I too am waiting for several things. Disney. (laughs) That I thought we're going to be there on opening day, and still not there. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll look forward to seeing what this whole Madonna thing is all about. I I haven't seen it, so it's not on my. Oh, top. oh you're in for a treat. It's a great movie. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I remember Scott was super into Dick Tracy, and so I watched it a bunch, and um, I just remember it being like. Uh, it was so out there as far like terms yeah. of like taking uh, some kind of comic book or cartoon type property mm-hmm. and then putting that on the screen. They went for it, man. I just remember like the huge leisure suits to like these yeah. huge things and um, just uh wonderful, like over the top accents and stuff. So yeah, I'm excited to go back and watch it. Cause that's yeah. been a long, long time since I saw that. So I, uh, I'm excited for it to make its way on there someday. I, I'm assuming that it will. Yeah. Um, I don't so feel, I don't feel so bad about Rocketeer now. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> Dick Tracy. Oh, um, you ha- oh, well, oh, sorry. The Rocketeer is just it's a work of art. Oh, a work of art. Okay. Um, all right, so let's go on to number three. Probably what I would put uh, definitely this one. I I completely agree that it should be on the list. So number three, a beauty of a nomination, uh, released in 1991. The Beauty and the Beast was the first full length animated feature ever to be nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Vanessa, I'll let you open us up this time. Yes, uh, please do because um, now I don't uh, remember which award this was, but at some point. Um, and one of the awards that nice, Alan Menken wins. Uh, I don't know if it was for score or song, but he goes up and he thanks Howard Ashman, um, who had sadly passed, um, uh, you know, during this time that the, the film had been released and um, couldn't make it to the Oscars. And um, I think it was Howard Ashman's partner who, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think it was Beauty and the Beast, but Howard Ashman's partner comes up and, 
and uh, you know just accepts the award on on Howard Ashman's behalf. And as I was rewatching this, I was just sobbing. Tears are coming down. I was. It was just one of the most beautiful things. We know that um, Howard Ashman lent some um, lyrics to um, uh, Aladdin, but uh, I guess Beauty and the Beast was um, the one that he gets credited for seeing it. You know, doing the. Um, I think the lyrics for the most of that movie um, before Mencken started working with Tim Rice. So um, that's one of my favorite moments. I, I just, oh guys, I, I mean, really, I just cried and cried when I watched that video clip. It was so sweet. That's going to be, uh, speaking of crying and crying. So Disney Plus is working on a documentary about Howard Ashman, just called Howard, I believe is the title of it. And uh, that's going to be just a lot of tears, I imagine. But um, yeah. just uh, tribute from this the partner that really came up all the way from Broadway all the way to uh, this pinnacle of achievement through Little Mermaid and then going into Beauty and the Beast being nominated at such a high level. Uh, you know, they, they found them at Little Shop of Horrors, right? And then they brought them over into Disney, uh, which was a wise decision by Jeffrey Katzenberg. But uh, Brett, talk to us about Beauty and the Beast getting nominated for Best Picture. Well, I mean, I mean, Landmark at last, at last, Disney is being uh, it's given its due. But I do have a little behind the scenes. Oh, okay. During the Disney Renaissance, which started, um, you know, the late eighties and early nineties, uh, I just happened to be at the Walt Disney Studios about the time Oscar nominations were being announced. And uh, let's see. So this was, and so this was in. I was there in nineteen. 19- 90 at the studio and that was right after the little mermaid which made shall we say a big splash in the <laughs> you're not laughing anyway i love it so, i love it okay <laughs> and so i was we were at the studio and i overheard because we were in the commissary area which is fun to say commissary area and um and we were hearing people you know there was a buzz there was a buzz in the commissary area at the disney studios about are they going to be nominated? Are they going to be nominated? It didn't happen, but it was cool to be there when they were talking about it. <laughs> so then, so then when um, when Beauty and the Beast was nominated, I was very happy for them. So feeling that I had been kind of there on the cusp, but what could have been the first nominated Disney animated film, but they were just they weren't ready for it then. But then they were for Beauty and the Beast, and that was cool. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes it takes um, extra time to get to that point. But Brandon, talk to me about the significance from an uh, Academy Awards perspective that they nominated a, a full length animated feature and that it happened to be Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what, how many, you know, 50, 60 years after Snow White um, to, to, to get to that point was a big deal. And also, you think about it, Walt had worked so hard. And finally, you know, another moment that we'll talk about, you know, Mary Poppins gets all this awards love. And then he passes away a couple of years later and Disney kind of regresses into sort of the dark ages during the seventies and early mid eighties. And so now I think a lot of people had counted them out. And so for them to come back in such a powerful way with mermaid and then beauty and the beast, I mean, it was, it was the pinnacle. I mean, you hear the stories about how uh, beauty and the beast not even completed yet played the New York film festival with just, you know, the, the drawings up on screen and people stood up and applauded afterwards. So they knew this was something unique and more sophisticated than what people were used to coming from Disney. I, uh, I got kind of on a YouTube rabbit hole a few nights ago and watching a lot of the old, uh, 
opening monologues from the hosts of all the Oscars because it's funny to see where the culture was at the time of all these different awards. And it's funny, Billy Crystal was the host that year. And he's he's not being dismissive of it, but he's he's kind of when he does like his medley of the nominees and stuff, Beauty and the Beast is kind of treated like the joke of the group a little bit. Cause I mm-hmm. think, I, I think, if, I think there was a fear when Beauty and the Beast got nominated cause he makes jokes like, Oh, pretty soon all of us actors will be out of jobs and things like that. So, so I think, I think there was that kind of, you know, dismissiveness about it, even though, but still that, I mean, and for 1991 for an animated movie to be nominated. Was that Silence this, of the Lambs year? Silence of the Lambs won that year. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and this was Billy Who? Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was mm-hmm. Mike. It was Mike from yeah. Monsters Inc. That's who it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah that guy ended up taking a job. He was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable feat. There's only been yeah. three uh, animated. There have only been three uh, animated features nominated for Best Picture. This is the only one that Walt Disney Studios can claim on their own. The other two are Up and Toy Story 3. Um, and, of course, uh, In My Heart, Inside Out uh, would have been the fourth. But, you know, it's an incredible, uh, incredible achievement. And I think it doesn't happen that as regularly. And, you know... I, there's a there's a there's a fight going on right now. I think within the academy to say uh, we have this movie this year to connect it to this year, the movie Parasite that is going to obviously walk into uh, best international feature Oscar. So do we also give it best picture? And I feel like sometimes now animated films because they have their own category fall into the same the same boat. So it'll be interesting if. Uh, Parasite were to end up going on to win, much like Roma tried to last year. Uh, is there ever going to be that animated feature that wins Best Picture uh, at the Academy Awards? And I'm sure it will happen sometime. It'll it'll end up on the list here. Uh, D23 will have to kick Madonna out or something uh, to <laughs> for it. So, but number two, Brandon alluded to it, so we're going to let him talk about it first. Uh, Julie's Big Night. It says Julie's uh, Jolly Holiday. She was nominated and won. Best Leading Actress for her role as Mary Poppins. And there's a bit of history there with Audrey Hepburn, isn't there, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, this is 1964, and uh, Mary Poppins, I think, I think probably second to My Fair Lady, I forget if it was tied or not, but the most nominations that night. And, um, of course, the other big movie that year was My Fair Lady, and it was kind of a kind of a close race of bets as to which, which one was going to take the best picture that night. Um, the, the fact that there was this big controversy that people still talk about these years later where Audrey Hepburn didn't receive a nomination for My Fair Lady that night because a lot of people felt that Julie Andrews should have um, gotten the film version of My Fair Lady and she ended up getting Poppins instead. So, And even Julie Andrews herself has said that you know, she kind of feels like her best actress Oscar is more of a political move by the Academy is kind of saying, Hey, you should have done this instead or something like that. But, um, I, I, that doesn't take away from the achievement that Mary Poppins was and the fact that it was nominated for, I think like 10 Oscars ended up winning five, um, for, for, a, for a Disney movie to do that. It just shows you how far Walt had come by that time. Absolutely. Vanessa, you want to talk about Mary? 
Audrey Hepburn didn't even sing yeah. in My Fair Lady. Okay, she sang hey, one little Robbie part Mallard, okay. in her bad accent. Of course, Sylvia Andrews. Of course, she should have won that Oscar. And she she played in My Fair Lady in yeah. on the stage version. So of course, of course, she should have won. I do love Audrey Hepburn. But come on. Um, no, I thought I I love that moment. I love her surprise um i love that right off the bat she thanks walt disney um you know you you watch mary poppins and and uh, even though mary poppins can, um can be quite stern in the in the film you get the sense that she um is a really sweet lady in person and it just really came through at her oscar win as well um she she's that's that's probably one of my favorite um winning moments because mm-hmm. she just is so sweet and so appreciative. And there's Just a great should. Yeah, and there's a great shot if you watch that. There's a great shot of them cutting to Dick Van Dyke clapping, and he's so happy for her and everything. It's a great moment. Yeah. Brett, talk about uh, Julie and talk about Mary Poppins. Okay. So there was this movie, Mary Poppins. It was a, okay. Oh, you want no, more specific information? <laughs> okay. Well, my take on the whole sort of reading um reading uh i was gonna say mary poppins autobiography no it was julie andrews um second uh autobiography and which included this time during the production and oscar season for mary poppins you know she's very she's uh very humble she was very humble in her acceptance and well that was following her rather shall we say cheeky moment at the golden globes which Which she said, yeah, Brent, I know that you would love this. So, you know, you know about this, that she, you know, she, which probably, I don't, well, nothing, probably the Oscars maybe were telecast, but, or on television, but um, Golden Globes were probably still very, you know, an insider sort of thing. But she thanks Jack Warner for, um, well, she thanked Jack Warner during her acceptance speech at the Golden Globes because basically, because if, if she would have gotten, uh, if she would have gotten my fair lady, she wouldn't have, you know, gotten Mary Poppins. But the whole story, why she didn't get that is because she was an unknown. She was a Broadway star. Who knew? Walt knew. Um, But it, but it bode well for the rest of her career too, because the, um, because Robert Wise saw, I don't know, dailies or saw, um, he asked Walt to, because he was considering Julie Andrews for, uh, for the sound of music for Maria. And he asked, uh, Walt to see, you know, the film that they had of, uh, they had the film of, uh, uh, well, anyway, I'm sorry, the phone rang. Uh, I'll, t- I'll cut that out. So he had asked Walt if he could see bits of the film, which was just not done at all. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Walt knew who he had and, uh, was very much in Julie's, uh, corner. So anyway, so that's how we, that's how she got Sound of Music, and that was, you know, another big film. But let's see, back to Mary Poppins because that was I went off topic for just a moment. Sorry. Okay. Um, but the thing, the, the thing is, you know, when she when she thinks that it was like a consolation prize because she didn't get, I'm like going, I don't think that. I mean, I think that sort of. Uh, I, I mean, she, her her performance in Mary Poppins is so wonderful that's you know you know it's just as false not to blow your own horn at all as it is to blow it too loudly isn't that right right, brandon right and so i'm like going (laughs) you know it's that was from 
all about Eve. Anyway, yeah. so uh, I'm gonna just take it and run with it. You deserved it. Stop yeah. being so English. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> being so English. I love you it. Know? Just love it. So, so there's, good. There's not much that I can say beyond uh, – Mary Poppins is a remarkable film. Uh, we still know all the tunes today. Uh, I do wish that uh, Returns would have gotten a bit more love, and I understand that the Academy has changed drastically since the mid-60s to now. Um, but still, just a wonderful role, wonderful movie. I love watching it uh, over and over again, and I can see why it's uh, the second biggest moment in Oscar history for the Disney company. Now let's say, let's talk about the first the largest moment in Disney Oscar history. Uh, we talked a little bit about it, actually, when we started this with the Lifetime Achievement Award. But Walt was awarded seven little Oscars for his achievement in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So at the 1939 ceremony, uh, he was awarded these, actually given them by Shirley Temple, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. And uh, it talked about how we, we talked a, bit, a bunch about Snow White in our episode that we had Dominic Cellini on, where we talked about... Um, Walt's follies and everyone thought that this was going to be a failure. And then here all of a sudden it makes eight and a half million dollars. And D23 mentions that it made that off of when tickets were 25 cents an adult. So, so many people were flocking to see this. Um, But I think if I understand why it's a huge moment because this is the first full length animated feature. It's acknowledged somewhat by the Academy Awards But talk about a whiff on nominating something for Best Picture because – and and maybe this is where you were going to go, Brett. I'm going to let you start this conversation. But do you feel like uh, Snow White was honored in an appropriate way by the Academy uh, back in 1939? I'll go to Brett. Okay. Well, and I'll throw this back to you a little bit. Craig, was it in the the Walt Disney, the Neil Gabler book? Where was it that that Walt felt – um, well, he was happy to get an Oscar mm-hmm. with one large one and seven little Oscars that he was somewhat upset because it wasn't yes. considered for, for best picture. That was in the Neil, Neil Gibbler, Gibbler book. <laughs> so, yeah. So, well, you can kind of tell from that book that he took a lot of things really personally, right? And I mean, he's, he's obviously a very dynamic person who, um, I think you have to have that level of ambition to be able to change the world in the way that he did. Um, but I, I do think, uh, it did refer to him taking this as a personal slight because here they were trying to, uh, do this new thing with, um, animation and film people are saying it's going to fail and then when it succeeded to the the highest possible extent that it could here they are uh not necessarily recognizing him in the way that he felt appropriate but yeah uh so i you're totally right there with the gabler book well what was oh yeah there it is well i was just looking here to see what films were nominated that year yeah i've got it there was i mean if it were 19 it was the next year, you know, that would be, it would be very uh, hard to go up against Gone with the Wind and um, all of those, you know, the magnificent year that was that. But, well, so the winner was You Can't Take It With You. What has more staying power? Adventures of Robin Hood, Alexander's Ragtime Band, Boys Town, The Citadel, Four Daughters, Grand Delusion, Jezebel, Pygmalion, and Test Pilot. Well, who can't forget? Well, I've never heard, seen Test Pilot, but anyway. Oh, really? Okay. But I'm like going, Snow White wasn't considered. Mm -hmm. Again, that's kind of, they're they're relegating 
yeah. you know, into this also ran position just because they don't, do they see this competition? I mean, you know, I know that the Walt Disney Studios was this teeny little place in, in Burbank, you know, back then. And, uh, or was it even, well, anyway, it was in, it was not, it didn't play with the big boys like, you know, MGM and, and the Warner Brothers and all that. So I think they just kind of thought of it as this cute, I don't know. Uh, it's just kind of sad. It does feel, I, I never thought of it as, I mean, you know, I never thought of it as anything other than wonderful until I read that book. I'm like, well, I'm sad that he's sad. So mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. Brandon. I, I think it's very telling that they had Shirley Temple be the presenter for this because uh, I think they're saying, you know, you're Walt Disney is strictly kitty fair. And so let's have, you know, the world's biggest child star <laughs> present this to uh, uh, Walt Disney. But, but, but you're right, Brett, I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the list of those 10 nominees that year for best picture. And um, there are, there's four I could easily take off and say, Hey, Snow White deserved one of those spots. Um, the, the, you know, the, 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 there's a couple that still have staying power in their classics. Um, but, but, but yeah, I mean, for, to be such a big achievement as it was and to be the cultural moment that it was, I think it did deserve a uh, best picture nomination that year. But really, I mean, uh, Disney was kind of his own entity. He wasn't really part of the studio scene back then. Um, I don't know how much he socialized with the other studio heads, with the mayors and the Warners and the Xanax and all of that. So it's, um, and as we say, you know, in the, uh, in the world of the academy, you've got to know people and have friends in high places sometimes. So, uh, it took him a couple of decades, I think, to get there. But, um, I, I, I think that, I am glad that they did honor it in, in the way that they did. Although I, I think it, it's, I don't know that it seems like they're, you know, talking down to him or whatever, but I think they're kind of placing him in a box and saying, okay, we're honoring you, you know, in this way, because this is the category that we think you belong in. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, uh, the, the Academy that, that holds true even today, it seems like they have a certain taste level and um, the, the, kind of parallel to this in my mind is uh, this rash of superhero movies that we have. And uh, it was a struggle to get Black Panther nominated. And now Joker is leading the nominations this year with 11 nominations, but that is a very much an Oscar bait type movie. And, and, you know, I wasn't, um, I never got to say my part on Joker. I won't uh, do a tangent here only to say that that movie seems like uh, an Oscar type movie with just a joker overlay uh put on top of it and so you, you know i i think that they struggle with that as well and, and brett you mentioned uh, what movie has more staying power it almost seems like for most years the movie that has the most staying power from that year is not the best picture there's maybe some uh i would say like what comes to mind like titanic obviously biggest picture of the year also wins best picture but I feel like that's more few and far between, but Vanessa, we are going to go to you now and talk about, uh, Walt's seven little Oscars. Oh, I don't know if this was mentioned cause I lost audio for a second, but, um, the, if you're, if you're really into seeing that particular, because it is so different, um, with the little catch. Uh, it is in San Francisco at the Disney Museum. It is on display. And if you need a chaperone, I'll be happy to take you there. So, no, I'll go with it. But 
Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll have to plan a trip soon, I'm sure. So uh, that was I've the list. I've seen it. I've seen it. It was at, it was at um, the Disney, Walt Disney Story at Walt Disney World for years and years and years. And oh, years, wow. And years and years and years. And then they wanted it back. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I um, see. And I wonder, too. So I know that Walt was really needing a lot of money uh, because things were really tight during Snow White. And if, if I would have, you know, seven X statues, he could have melted those down, <laughs> could have funded his next film. That's what I would have done. But that's just me. Well, For sure. And- well, they, the Oscars did that during World War II because gold was so scarce. The winners didn't get statuettes. They got little plaques and then were given the actual statuettes when the war was over and gold was more readily available. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. But yeah. This is why we have Brandon around. <laughs> that and many other reasons. Brandon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So those are the five biggest moments according to D23. But Brett... I hear tell you have some other moments you'd like to share with us. Can you kind of uh, rapid fire list those off for us? Well, yes. Well, thanks to our friends at D20. Sorry. Well, thanks to our friends at Disney Plus. So many of these early films are available, including Flowers and Trees. Now, I've heard of Flowers and Trees. And of course, as a trivia, you know, Disney trivia person, I knew that that was the first Oscar and it was, and I knew about the history and that it was, it was first filmed in black and white. And then Walt found this whole Technicolor thing. Lay, let's redo it in Technicolor. So it was done in Technicolor. But after all these years, I have never, I had never seen it until in preparation for this podcast. So it's, it's seven minutes. It is available on Disney Plus. And it was in, it was it was really interesting. You have to kind of put yourself back in 1932 as to what was new and cool and all of that, and that was amazing. So I watched that, and then the Three Little Pigs, which again in the Neil Gabler book, you know, took the nation by storm, and it was so important during the Depression that we can we can overcome this depression. Well, and then I did watch the Tortoise and the Hare, which was 1935, and then. Uh, I skipped on to the old mill. Now we've all seen the old mill, you know, in, I think there was, um, well, what, um, late eighties, early nineties, you know, MTV Disney had its, uh, version, which was DTV. So they took clips from various movies and put them to mm, contemporary ish, uh, sc- uh, music. And so you, we've seen, you know, the old mill and we've seen it in, uh, like in, uh, world of color and other sort of, uh, park-related entertainments, but I never actually watched the Old Mill, which is again eight minutes, and it's so cool to watch. You know, to watch from Flowers and Trees to the Old Mill. You know that in just those five years, how the animation had changed, and you can tell that you know with the Old Mill that with um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs coming up next, you know. Th- the use, well, the old mill was the first use of the multiplane camera. So it was so interesting to watch kind of, uh, the advancement of the, of animation by watching those. And you could watch them on Disney Plus. So, hey gang, go watch those films on Disney Plus. It'll only take a half hour. Absolutely. <laughs> it's really cool. You know, I hadn't even 
fully seen, this is going to seem like sacrilege. I haven't, I hadn't fully seen Steamboat Willie even uh, prior to Disney Plus coming out. So it's a really cool resource. Um, and just go back and like watch all those silly symphonies and uh, even Three Little Pigs and like how much that meant to things. Also, if you've never seen a World of Color, uh, Disney Plus has the World of Color from right before Walt's death. And it goes through, like, they basically do, like, a whole year at Disneyland. And it's really cool. They show, like, the opening of um, It's a Small World and some of these attractions that still stick around today. So just a really neat um, investment of, like, 45 minutes. But like Brett said, you can watch so many of these shorts in such a relatively quick amount of time. You're talking 7 to 10 minutes for each of these shorts. So highly recommend you go check that out. Brandon, did you have any other uh, big Disney Oscar moments that you wanted to bring up? Uh, I was I was looking over. I was curious about. Um, uh, it seems like the category that Disney has kind of dominated over the history of the Oscars would be best song, and so I was just I was looking, and it's four. Let's see. I think it's I think it's about ten that no, ten or eleven best song winners that the Oscars have won. They uh, the very first one they won was uh, Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. So that would be their second one. And then Zippity Doodah won Best Song for Song of the South. And uh, and then you, you got to skip over then to The Little Mermaid or Under the Sea Winds. And then, of course, it's just a string of Best Song winners throughout the 90s. And I think Alan Menken is actually the person living who has the most Oscars currently. So oh, Very um, cool. So, so Disney has dominated the music categories for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, so many of their songs, they've got another song nominated this year. And actually, that's a good segue over to talking about this year. We haven't had much of a time to respond as a podcast uh, to how we all feel about the exclusion of Frozen 2 in the Best Animated Feature category. So generally, um, we, we usually have uh, two Disney movies or Disney adjacent movies and that Disney Pixar usually gets nominated. And then also the Walt Disney studio gets nominated this year. We only have toy story four nominated in that category. Frozen two left out in the cold. <laughs> oh, they see, see, I, I enjoyed I need, it. See, I laughed. I needed, I, too. I needed too, Brett. I should have laughed with you. Uh, my apologies. Uh, so Brett, tell me about your thoughts on the exclusion of Frozen 2. And I know uh, we had a big, long, full disclosure about this. Uh, and Beyond the Mouse episode, you can definitely go back and listen to all of our thoughts there. But what's your thoughts on this particular decision? Um, I think they're trying to mix it up a bit. Um, you know, with Disney winning either Pixar or Disney now, um, now that they've elevated their game again, um, I think that the... I think they're just trying to mix it up and maybe give show some love to how to train your dragon maybe, or missing link. No, I think it's how to train your dragon. I think is what mm-hmm. Brandon, is that what they're saying is the, is the contender against the big contender uh, against uh toy story. I I, missing link has been winning some of the critics awards and things like oh, that. Okay. So, so I, I knew think, there was something else. I, I think it's a toss up and, 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 and claws was a really sort of interesting movie that kind of snuck in there too. Um, yeah. So maybe they're just trying to show a little love. I don't know. And yeah. Now uh, they say, um, I heard 
a couple, I listened to a really great award season podcast called Little Gold Men. And their theory on this was that maybe Missing Link won because uh, Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4 were both nominated uh, for the Golden Globe. So they split the vote uh, between the Disney folks. And so their prediction was actually that Toy Story 4 may end up walking away with this by virtue of it being the only Disney movie nominated now. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where that all shakes out. Now, how about this, Brett? What would you have nominated in your Academy Awards? Would it have been Toy Story 4 or would it have been Frozen 2? Mm, Well, um, uh, (laughs) I think I would have, I think I would have, I just have so many issues with Toy Story 4 and the whole um, story arc of Woody that I would have, if it were up to me, I would have, I would have given it to Frozen Two because I feel betrayed by Woody. Anyway, <laughs> betrayed by Woody. Yeah. I'm personally betrayed by Woody. I'm like going, you know, he's no. not the hero. I don't, you know, I think it, it just makes me sad. It makes me sad. I still have issues. I'm still not ready to. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. Not ready to let it you go. Asked. Uh, like going, <laughs> you asked. I'm like going. You asked. I'm like going. I have some issues with with. Uh, with Frozen 2, I'm like going, gee, I'm still processing that. Yeah. But uh, it's like you asked. So. It's like your emotions are lost in the woods. Hey, uh, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah. I know that we've been having some issues with you over here, so I want to get you in before <laughs> before you issues. end up leaving us again. You know, um, all, all that's happening is my, my audio keeps freezing. It was oh, okay. Frozen twice (laughs) well you know who else was frozen out of the academy award nominations this year was frozen 2 for best animated feature so give us your thoughts on that you know um this might be a bit controversial but um i i kind of get it um frozen 2 is not my favorite i i enjoyed it but it it felt a bit manufactured um it you know, it, it's very similar to the first film, um, but with the facelift. Um, I think it was... Uh, it is Hollywood. <laughs> right. I know, right? Um, I think it was created for all those parents that had to be subjected to nonstop uh, Frozen sing-alongs for the last several years. So, um, you know, I, I really liked Frozen 2, but it, it, it did have this... Um, manufactured planned out kind of feel to it where toy story four um well i'm with you brett i have i have feelings i feel betrayed but i i I felt like that was a more original storyline um than what frozen 2 provided to audiences so i i get it um i was surprised because that like never happens but um yeah i mean i get it i I don't really have too much of an issue with them um being shut out at the um at the oscars all right may i even say thoughts oh go ahead sorry may i even say oh this is gonna sound harsh and i really am sorry to say this i'd be okay if toy story 4 does not win (laughs) <laughs> okay all right well hey i was there last year you remember i was the biggest advocate for uh spider-man into the spider-verse and, and i thought yeah. that that was um light years ahead of what disney brought out last year in terms of bringing forward animation i haven't watched missing link but claymation's been out there for a long time uh, and stop motion has been out there for a long time so um you know i, I 
don't necessarily see anything overly innovative there. I've never really gotten into the how you how to train your dragon. Um, now Jay Hoffman says we all need to go see Claws. I did not watch it this Christmas season, but he said it's extremely good. Uh, so you know who knows? And Netflix is. Uh, definitely trying to fight their way into any category they can. But Brandon, your thoughts on Frozen 2 being uh, left out? I, I, I kind of to uh, piggyback off what uh, Brett said. I think I think the Oscars have gotten to the point kind of with Disney where they were with Meryl Streep a decade ago saying, how many more times can we tell you you're great? So let's spread the wealth around a little bit. Um, so I, I, and the Oscars have always liked to do that. They'll, uh, They'll really honor a specific person or a specific type of thing for a while, and they'll say, okay, we haven't recognized, you know, this sort of section of the population over here. So so it's kind of like, okay, let's, you know, Disney has their Oscars. Let's now give these other smaller companies the chance now. So there's always sea changes like that throughout the history of the awards. Yeah, and I um, just to give my thoughts quick, uh, I would agree with Brett, and I would disagree with Vanessa in that um, we, if only given one spot, I would have given it to Frozen Two because um, I think that the pinnacle of Toy Story was Toy Story Three, and in my mind, the pinnacle of Frozen at this point is Frozen Two. I just really enjoyed that film thoroughly, um, and I, I enjoyed it considerably more than the the first Frozen. Going back and and being able to rewatch it. I'm looking forward to it being on Disney plus and I'm sure it'll be on every day, in, you know, in the months to follow after that. But, uh, I do think if you're only going to award one spot to the company, then I wish it would have been frozen too. Uh, it's just a remarkable film in my, in my opinion, but there you have it. Big moments in Oscar history. Uh, we, we have the Academy Awards coming up very shortly. Uh, not exactly sure when this is dropping, but they'll be right around the corner and you can join us. The front row is going to host the Oscars at the Hoagland Center for the Arts. It's the second time that we've done this and, uh, tickets are available. Vanessa, you want to tell them how to get tickets? Sure. They can uh, buy their tickets online at hcfta.org. You can also give the Hoagland Center a call at 217-523-2787. Or you can come down in person at the box office and purchase your tickets in advance or at 420 South 6th Street. I imagine that there there might be some availability for walk-ups if you're thinking about waiting till the day of... um, but who knows? We, we don't know yet what, what uh, tickets will be available that night. So get your tickets early. We had such a great time last year. It was such a, a fun way to uh, watch the Academy Awards. It was fun to get booed at uh, by Vanessa because I love Bradley Cooper. Uh, you know, just so much. It was just loved Bradley Cooper. It's that you were raining on the parade of the winner who had just received their award. You flew before they get the award. You, you, you were making comments about how he didn't deserve it. So you do that before the award, not after they won. That's being a sore loser when you do it that way. Sorry, Robert. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Robot. Um, but looking forward to it. I asked, uh, you know, I, I did the two popes with uh, Ryan Lutens, and I asked what your boldest Oscar prediction is. And since I have all three of you here, does not need to be Disney-related. What is your boldest Oscar prediction? And I'll start with Brandon. You know, for me, all of the the four major acting categories have all been huge locks so far. I don't think the needle has moved on any of them. 
And I think there's a chance on Oscar night. I don't know which one, but I think there's a chance on Oscar night. There might be an, there's probably going to be an upset in one of those categories. Okay. All right. But you don't want to call necessarily which one. I I honestly, (sighs) I will Uh, possibly best, possibly best actor. Okay. Okay. So that's, uh, uh, that's the, that is the bold prediction I made and maybe following my heart instead of my head. Uh, but my bold prediction is that Adam driver walks away with the best actor, uh, Oscar because Mary was just an absolutely incredible film. Um, and not to take anything away from Joker. Uh, but you know, uh, I, it just seemed like maybe that might, might happen. We'll see though. That's my bold prediction. And so you got to be bold. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. Oh no. And I was saying, and, and the only reason I say best actor is Joaquin Phoenix, which he has said in other acceptance speeches, he's not the most popular guy in town. So I'm thinking once you have all of the Academy members together, just a few votes might go in the way of somebody else. Now, Adam Driver's not one for playing the game either. So right. uh, there's, you know, um, yeah. so there's there's kind of some of that going on as well, particularly in that category. Yeah. Uh, but Brett, bold, or, or was I going to go to Vanessa first? Vanessa, uh, bold Oscar prediction. Oh, gosh. I- I really am not sure. I've, I haven't seen all of the um, uh, films just yet. Um, oh, gosh, it's hard. I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe Renee Zellweger for um, Judy. I, have, um, I watched Bombshell. Um, you know, maybe Charlize will win that one. I, I, I Gosh, I don't know. I mean, there's So just- you're thinking maybe she might not win Best, best uh, Actress is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so, t- I'm so torn there. It's not usually in some years you have some kind of films on there that you're like, I don't understand why this is so popular, but most everything I've. Nope. I think her, her audio may have cut out there so far. It is. makes sense. Okay. All right. Uh, Mr. Brett, bold Oscar oh. production. <laughs> Well, since you stole my thunder for <laughs> Adam Driver, um, I will say Parasite for Best Picture. Yeah, I mean, I I get it, man. After seeing that now, um, such a stacked year for film. We are. It's really interesting because last year I felt like there were some nominees that didn't really live up in my mind to what an Academy Award nominated film ought to be. Um, but this year truly uh, could go a lot of different ways. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about uh even little women as maybe that'll sneak in there for best picture uh i think the race is pretty locked between 1917 and parasite but who knows we got a marty scorsese movie hanging out there in the wings i i think (laughs) it's funny of the seven of the nine i've seen and of course the other two i've been hearing about but every single one of them is best picture worthy I, uh-huh. the, 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 there's not one of them that I can say I didn't like or I didn't get. I think they're all best picture worthy, and that is extremely rare. So yeah. Well, we will find out on uh, Oscar night. We're so looking forward to it. So if you want to continue our coverage or see our continued coverage, uh, you can join us at nprillinois.org. You can find us there. You can find us on our social media, and then uh, you can also see us live in person on Oscar night. Uh, and we just can't 
wait for you to join us and to see all of them as it goes on here. So uh, we thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Mouse. We have a full slate of shows coming at you, a full year of magic coming from the Walt Disney Company uh, as we look forward in going more and more into 2020. But for Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. I'm Brad. I'm Brandon. And we will see you real soon on Oscar night in the front row. Come and join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, we might even, I think, I think Vanessa said she's going to sing Into the Unknown. Oh. Ooh, live performance. That All right, is we'll unknown how good that will be. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It would be beautiful. It would be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>